Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. Today, we have Candace Cameron with us. She is the founder of Evocative LA, a fashion and beauty PR company. She was named by PR News, one of the top experts of PR to follow in 2023. Candice, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today and talk to you guys. Yeah, I think Teddy just found you on Instagram because she wanted to know hotspots in Miami. (laughs) Yeah, how I love that you affiliate me with Miami because it actually is like my favorite city in the US. And I think you were like, oh, you're based in Miami, right? When we were set this yeah. up, I was like, no, oh, I'm no. based in LA. I just love Miami. So That's I love funny. that you affiliate me with that city. But how did we originally connect? It was I'm- from Reedy with Short and Sweet, the jewelry line. So she did a give back for Girl Powerful when she first launched. Was that how it all came about? That was a maybe, and it was all just very social media, like yeah, each other, which is which I love that I love that like the way that that's able to happen these days. You know, you're able to like connect Mm -hmm. with people just like randomly every day. Yeah, yeah. We were curious because so many. I mean, we have a brand. So many people are starting their own brands, and they're really taking their power by you know creating what they want, creating the life they want using products that really work for their lifestyle. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into PR? Yeah, so I went a little bit of an unconventional route um, via law school. Oh. Yeah, I I kind of always thought I wanted to be an attorney. I think I uh, read one too many John Grisham novels, you know, and I thought that that's what like the law was going to be like. Um, But I went to law school and it just, it really wasn't for me. Um, So I left. And when I left, I was pretty lost. I didn't really have any idea of what I wanted to do with my life. And a lot of people around me had always said like, you know, you should be in fashion. Like I see you in fashion or I see you in PR. And back then PR wasn't really kind of what it is now. 
Um, so I kind of like, you know, I questioned it, I thought about it. And then I, um, someone recommended a book called What Color Is My Parachute? Mm -hmm. And this book is kind of gives you different exercises. And at the end, it, it has like some suggestions of like what industries you'd be really great in. NPR was the top one. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. I yeah. moved back to LA um, and interned at a PR agency, which was actually really, really challenging to get an internship, which I didn't think it was going to be so challenging, but it was. Um, and from there, I landed a job as PR assistant at at the time, it was a very recognizable name in the lingerie industry called Fredericks of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I was there for seven years um, as, a, as a PR assistant. You know, I worked nine to five and you kind of don't make the most incredible amount of money. So I did bottle service on the weekends to kind of like support myself. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I moved up. I moved up there. I was there for seven years. Um, until the very dreadful day that I was let go. Um, and that was, you know, it was the first time I'd ever kind of experienced something like that. And um, I think I just was, I was really lost. Like that was my identity mm -hmm. for so long. And, and I never really wanted to have that feeling again of having like something be able to like be all taken away from me at once like that and so I didn't really want to kind of just go and work for another company or work for another brand and so I freelanced from for different little small brands and different agencies and um, my best friend was like I really feel like you need to start your own company and I'm like I don't know like that just sounds like a lot like I think I'm cool just freelancing you know like this is fine he's like well but you're basically doing what you would be doing you know what I mean you're like going out you're finding clients you're you know he's like you just need to do it so um from there yeah evocative was born um and it was a very very great decision um and I'm, I'm really excited obviously there's like ups and downs and highs and lows of owning your own business but it definitely um keeps me on my toes yeah. When you had the role, the rug like pulled out from under you, where, where did you gain that confidence to start becoming a freelancer that evolved into your own business? Like, you know, that's scary, especially living in LA when it's so expensive to live. Yeah. I think it was, it probably was like ego driven. Cause I was like, I was, I was like angry. I was mad. You know what I mean? I really was like, I was like, I mean, like Twitter was like obviously bigger at the time than, than Instagram, but I was like FOH PR girl. And I don't know, it just really was who I, who I was at that time. And it just felt so shitty to be able to like have so much, like give so much power to, to someone else or something else. And I just never really wanted to, to do that again, you know? And so that's not to say like, obviously as a business owner, stuff like that happens, you know, you have these uncomfortable surprises, but it's just like, not, I don't know. It's just, it's not going to all be ripped away from me at once. Like I just have so much more control over my own life now. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that was really kind of the driving force. Yeah. And you can like, when you have your own company, you can see like, oh, I didn't work so hard last month. Now things are a little slower. I need to rev it up. So it's all like 
a conversation with yourself and being honest with yourself because you totally. can't let your clients down because then they're going to be banging on your door and you don't need that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And also, you know, I think there's so much power in being able to be selective with like who you work with, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we have a no asshole policy. So like if we take a, a new business call and the energy is just off, like I'm not going to sign a client just because it's more money, you know, it's like, I really, and I do, I feel really, really lucky. Like all of our clients have been with us for, well, not all of them, because we obviously have some new clients, but you know, majority of our clients have like stuck with us for, for years. Um, and that's kind of unheard of, I think with like in the PR space. Um, and I have developed like true friendships with my clients, you know? Um, and, and I really love that part about, about the business. Yeah, well, that's, that's a lot. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Eddie. I was well, just, I was just curious, it. like, I know that book like, and your friends were pushing you towards PR, like a solo driven mission, but what about PR do you love? Like the storytelling, helping people, like talk about that a little bit. So I think that I really love, it's not even so much the storytelling, which yes, that is, that's great, but it's, um, helping people craft their stories or, or like being able to be their cheerleader. Right. I think so, so many times we're like blind to our own accomplishments or our own achievements, and we don't really want to talk them up. Um, and so being able to come in and say like, look, you have done this, this, and this, and we need to talk about it. And we need to talk about like how that affects you as a business owner and how that really kind of like sets your brand apart. You know what I mean? Because this is what you are bringing to the table. And a lot of times clients will have this kind of like aha moment, you know, where they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Okay. And and sometimes it takes like a lot of convincing, but then like when they finally listen, they're like, okay, yeah, we get it now, you know? So it is really kind of crafting that story. Um, I think is like my favorite part about PR and then, you know, Yes, like then telling the story and coming up with like the strategy of like how we're going to tell that. That's awesome. I love that because so many times like we're just on autopilot or we're grinding and hustling and we don't take time to step back and see what we've accomplished and what we've created. Right. So having you on, you know, in their corner being like, no, I see this and you're shining yeah. bright and you're amazing and everyone needs this product or, you know, needs to know about you. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone was a new client and you're onboarding them, what, what is something that you're like, you p- pick out of how they're describing their brand? That's something like highlightable. Like if someone's listening and they're like, huh, I wonder if like, I've had enough accomplishments to to think about getting a PR agent or doing my own PR? Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I'll give you an example. This is, I mean, so we had a client, she started a self-care brand, right? And she really wanted it to be about this like self-care part. And in it, she, she like would tell us that she was an ER provider. And I was always like, what is an, what's an ER provider? You know, she's like, oh, well, I'm a doctor. And I'm like, you're a doctor, like in the emergency room. She's like, yeah. And that's like how I was kind of inspired to start this brand because in the middle of the pandemic, you know, she was working like crazy hours. She would come home. Her face was like, uh, you know, just really tattered from wearing all of that equipment. Mm -hmm. And she used this as a creative outlet because 
she would like want to find ways to kind of soothe her face. And I'm like, this is the story. You know what I mean? Like, listen to what you're saying. You are an ER doctor who was like crazed in the middle of the pandemic and you were really inspired to start this brand, you know? And, and so, so she was like, oh yeah, well, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about the fact that you are an ER doctor, you know what I mean? So, so kind of like having those moments. So how, I, how would they do it? It's just like, kind of like think, sit down and kind of do some reflecting and, and, you know, I don't know, have you had an experience at like a fashion brand that you can kind of talk about that helped like inspire your journey, you know, just, just sit down and really kind of try to reflect on like the things that you, you have have done and like how that's going to really kind of affect and how that brought you to where you're at currently with like finding your current brand. Yeah. And don't that's be going to show through when you go on air, you go on Instagram live or do anything. If you're not excited about your product or, you know, like have that like spark, that was your why of why you started it. It's going to translate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what is one of your big PR success stories that really changed a brand like night and day? Um, <laughs> that is a tough one. And I'm like, oh gosh, do we really want to like, do we really want to do we want to go there? But um, I would say I'm probably not going to like name okay. names, um, but I, you know, so prior to the pandemic, we did a lot more fashion and jewelry brands. And then obviously we had to, to pivot. Um, and thankfully we were able to, and so we started taking on a lot more beauty brands and we had, um, a skincare client who had like some really, really like, uh, a true like fan base, right. They had like like cult-like followers or like consumers, but they were kind of talking to the same people, right? Um, and so we came in and same thing, we kind of like broke down what it was that really like made them stand out. And one of the things was that they had over 5,000 five-star reviews on this one particular product. And that's not the most common, right? So we went out there and we kind of really like told all of the media, like, listen, this product has this many like reviews and, and, and media was like really receptive to that because they knew how that's like not the most common thing. Um, so we were able to get a lot of traction that way. And then also I think in the middle of the pandemic, you know, the beauty industry had one of like their most successful years. So we were able to really kind of run with that. Um, you know, people were at home wanting to try things that they were maybe not willing to try before. Um, so we really kind of like owned that and ran with it. And the brand definitely saw the, the fruits of our, of our labor for that. That's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like sometimes when you're in it, you don't see like, oh yeah, these reviews are so valuable. Like to like make a whole PR push just about something that like small, like it is a big thing, but that is a small part of a brand, you know, cause you always think it's like the forward facing person or, you know, like 
the accomplishments or the the skincare, but it's right. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's need PR. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do um, stand behind that statement. (laughs) So when you're thinking of a client, you make this whole plan with them. Then you're having to reach out to your network and get them on these shows or you know in magazines articles. What, how do you reach out? Like if someone was not able to hire you or someone like you, how could they reach out? And like, what should that sound like? What do they put first? Like, what does an email look like? Yeah. Okay. So you want to be very clear and concise and you want to communicate the most amount of information, like in the fewest amount of words, right? Mm -hmm. Because nobody has nobody's reading like long-winded emails anymore. I don't know that we ever really did, but like in this day and age, we're like, you got to catch them in the first one or two sentences, right? But I think first and foremost, it really needs to be like that subject line. Um, So, you know, I I don't know, like, what is it? Can you give me an example of like a brand that would want to like read? Sure, maybe like silk pillowcases. Okay. Silk. <laughs> I just saw one because I'm in my guest bedroom. <laughs> yeah. A silk pillowcase. You know, I think you would put the publication that you're re- reaching out to like in the subject line so that the, they know it's a targeted pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a, you know, specific category on the publication that you really want to go into, I would like include that in the subject line as well. So they know you've done your research. Um, and then write the brand name. And if it's like a, a pillowcase that's under $30, you know, highlight that in the subject line too, so that it's something that's like captivating and that they they really want to, that they want to open, you know? And then obviously, like I said, the first, those, that intro line has to be like, hi, this is the brand. This is what we do. We think we'd be a great fit for this. Can we send you a sample? let us know your address and make sure there's like a kick-ass image of your product, like in that body of that email. So they open it because we're also visual, you know what I mean? So we want to like open it. We want to see what the brand, what the brand really kind of looks like. Um, And that's going to be kind of almost like the first thing that they're going to see. And then they're, it's going to be the deciding factor if they like want to read the email, if they want to like continue or not, you know? That was the most valuable two minutes of everyone's life. (laughs) Don't you think, Sonia? I do. So valuable. Thank you. (laughs) Well, what about, so how long have you been doing this? 15, 10? About 15 years. 15 years. When did the whole sending people the product show up? Has that always been a thing or was that like a new thing as Instagram and social media grew and then people obviously you want them to post it maybe. Was um, it always a thing? Like try this? Yeah. It has always been a thing. I don't think it was as massive as it is now. Um, but yeah, back in the day we used to do, I mean, I'm totally gonna date myself here, but like, you know, we didn't really we weren't really emailing as much. We were sending these like huge massive like over the top creative mailers or like press kits right that's what we do we'd actually put all of like the brand info into this mailer and that's really how we would like communicate the brand messaging now we do everything digitally and 
And then like for us, we don't ever really send anything blindly because mm-hmm. um, we just don't want to waste budget like that for any of our clients. So we really do get in touch with everyone. We let them know that we want to send them whatever it is we want to send them. And then we get the the yes or the no. We get their address. We get, you know, if it's fashion, we get their size, their selects. Um, you know, if it's skincare, we get like their skin type. And then we, you know, we create um, a custom package for them and send it out that way. But, you know, it's, I think it's so important to really kind of get the actual product in someone's hands because that's how they really kind of decide, you know, if they're vibing with it or not. I love the world now because so many people like have different platforms to be able to share what they love. And I feel like the old school way was like on like Kelly and Regis or on the Today Show. It was like very select or even Oprah's favorites. It's like they were the ones telling everybody what to buy. Right. Now, because we have social media and, you know, everything, it's like you're, you can find your person, your influencer that you love and they can share authentically, you know, what they love. Yeah. Brands that way too. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like there's so there's so many more tools available to us um, that they just didn't exist before, you know, but it can, it can get a little overwhelming also, you know, so that's where like a very targeted strategy I think is really important um, Mm -hmm. is really to kind of like hone in on those, like what we call top targets that you want to go after and kind of keeping track of, of who you're getting in touch with and who you're reaching out to. Cause otherwise you, you're just like throwing a bunch of stuff. You have no idea, you know, and, yeah. and that can be really, really overwhelming. What do you think about a brand when they're like, you know, top 10 people I'd love to see wearing my stuff. And everyone's just like, same people, Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez. Like, you're like, wait, can we like zoom out a little bit? Like, do you ever have those like real talk moments with your clients? Like, like, why is that valuable to you? Are you a fan or like, is that like, you know what I mean? Cause I feel, I actually remember how I followed you and it's Marta Posen. Oh yeah. I love Marta. We were really close with her in, in LA. We moved to Idaho, but through this, I'm like, oh, this is a Marta thing. Cause we used to be pretty tight with her. Yeah. Anyways, I love Marta. But someone like Marta, right? Like pretty much lives on Instagram and like an influencer, but not like the you know, millions of people, but in a good number, like 400,000 followers, like, is that more valuable? And like, how do you shift and design like a plan, like real celebrity household name versus like, yeah. Um, so I think it's important to really kind of hit all those like boxes, you know, um, not every client of ours, wants to go the celebrity route, but if they do, then yes, we're on board with that, you know, and we'll do the outreach. And a lot of times it's, um, we're in touch with like their publicists and then their publicists will pass along the, or their, or their stylist or their, their makeup artist or something. Um, and that's how we'll get the product to them. Um, and then, yeah, I think finding influencers who kind of really match the brand, right? So if it's, if, if, like if you're a sustainable brand, like finding those girls who you know really truly care about sustainability, you know, or if you're a makeup brand, 
getting really kind of crafty and not only just going over after like a makeup or beauty influencer per se, but going after makeup artists, you know, and, and creating a list of those gals that you want to go after that are a little bit in, in the larger space. And then I find, I find nano influencers to be just as important. So like those girls that have 5,000 followers, you know, they're also wanting to grow just as much as you are. So they're, um, they're engaging with the product so much more and they're actually creating like reels and TikToks where they're actually talking about it and they're showing you how to use certain products, which is not necessarily something that you'll be able to get with like a larger influencer because they, you know, they're, they're getting paid a lot more for that type of stuff. Um, so I, I find it important to really make sure that you're hitting, you know, all kind of facets and not just like putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, that's good advice too. Yeah. It's just funny because everyone who doesn't want like someone really rad wearing their stuff or using it on screen, you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Do you see any trends happening for 2023 that's different from this past year? Um, I think being very intentional with like mailers and being very intentional with events. Um, you know, I think that all of us were like so cooped up for so long that now everybody wants to like do something to like get out there and get in con, you know, um, like in real life connection. But because that's happening, it's like, a lot of people are feeling very overwhelmed by like everything that's happening. Also, a lot of people are now like working from home. So they don't really have the space that they once did for like to receive all of this product, you know? And um, also I think something to really think about is like packaging with mailers and not being like super wasteful, like making sure that you're being really kind of intentional with, with like what's being sent. I think people are really kind of um, really starting to notice that and really care about that. That's awesome. Adding intention to everything is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we always end our podcast with one question. So Candace, aside from work, what makes you feel the most alive? Yeah, well, it's so interesting that you said that about intention, because I, I think that I would say I feel the most alive when my self-care practice is on point, right? So that means that I'm getting the proper amount of sleep, that I am um, sticking with what I call my mindful morning practice. So that's hot lemon water first thing in the morning, meditation, affirmations, gratitude, um, and kind of like sticking out, sticking with like my Pilates practice. I just think that all of that really kind of puts me in the best headspace. You know, I'm, I'm more clear, I'm more present. And when I'm able to bring my best, I really feel my best. Um, so yeah, I would say that. It's so important when I fall off the bandwagon, I just, you know, and it's harder in winter too, when the sun goes down and I'm like, Oh, I really don't want to go to the gym. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm human. I don't stick to it like, you know, like I would like to, but I definitely want to, I notice that like when I do stick to it, I'm like, okay, like remember this feeling and yeah. keep going, you know what I mean? Yeah. But of course we all 
we all fall off every once in a while. But it makes life more fun when you do it. Yeah. You think? Because you're yeah. a better boss, you're a better connector, you're just... You totally you are. You know, I think you're like at this, I mean, I don't know, not to sound too woo-woo, but like you're just at this vibration that is higher and you're just attracting, you know what I mean? You're attracting so much positive in your life that it's just, it's such a great feeling. And then when you're able to kind of like notice everything that you're attracting, I think you're able to like attract more. It's just this like ongoing kind of thing that happens when we're, when we're sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. This feels good. Give me more of it. (laughs) And the universe will. (laughs) Awesome. Candice, well, thank you so much. Everybody follow Candice at Candice underscore Cameron on Instagram and Evocative LA to see all of her beauty and fashion companies that she reps. Um, thank you so much for being online with us thank today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Have a great rest of the day. You too. All right. Thank Have you. Bye. Bye. Thanks to our guest. For more information on her, see the show notes. Please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week.